right, boys. Episode 41 of the Racing Line podcast. Welcome, new, welcome, welcome. A new guest <laughs> um, to chew the fat with this weekend. Welcome, Tristan. Welcome back Thank to you. the pod. Oh, cheers. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you in a little bit more of an informal um, environment tonight. You get yeah. your opinions on on the week in racing and and what a weekend in racing we had, boys. Silverstone was like we've been talking about the lackluster racing that's taken place in Formula One for the last month or so. Um, but well, what a what a week of racing. Where to begin? That's the Nelson real question. PK. <laughs> oh, no. straight there oh no oh no comment i didn't even think about that i didn't even think about that i know no. i know you've got a lot to say about the booing no no um I, I don't want to start there i don't probably don't even want to mention that today but i just mm. thought i'd i'd um i'd when anthony said where to begin i thought i'd quickly jump in there i jump thought about in that there, in the shower <laughs> Mate, you turned yeah. that into like you turned that into a snippet for like tiktok or instagram <laughs> and i think you'll get like so many views yeah um, Oh, where where actually to begin, boys? Where do you reckon? I don't know. We start at Silverstone, mate. What a thing! What so. a race! I reckon it's got to be race of the year. I mean, there's been a couple of good ones, but yeah. definitely took the cake so far. Well, let's begin on the first corner then. Oh Firstly, yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even get to the corner. What are you talking about? Well, Does... let's, okay. Well, let's get into the onto the onto the main straight. Uh, Russell, poor start. Actually, before we go there. If you haven't watched the race, stop, go watch the race, <laughs> yeah. come back, please. No spoilers. Yeah, it's a race that yeah, we're going to spoil it you now. Didn't mention our sponsors. You, um, our, our unofficial sponsors of Foxtel and KO. Yeah. <laughs> the Foxtel and KO Mini. We're still trying to get uh, some financial monetization from this from these call-outs. But regardless, go watch the race. Hey. It's definitely worth the watch and then come back uh, and listen to the pod. But George Russell, slow off the line, uh, went for the alternate strategy with the hard tire to begin with definitely seemed like the wrong choice and then kind of was just in the middle of nowhere um and you know history will tell the tale of what happened next i mean the the halo um we spoke about it on the pod last year i mean it was a topic of controversy when it came in i mean all of us were pretty negative about it Mm. just based on some of us more than others yeah true i mean look i think like there are a lot of diehard motor racing fans that were hardcore against it because it went against the traditional rules of an open wheeler. But um, I think ever since we've seen quite a few scary crashes. I think Alonso had the halo yep. in. Um, yep. Obviously, oh. we had that one at Spa as well. And then you see uh, the one in F two yesterday. There was one in F two. I, I didn't actually see that, but I saw the replay of that. The car literally. Literally would have wiped Blew off the, into the halo. The fella's yeah. head. And we, yeah. we think about like all these crashes in the past, and I'm sure a lot of them, you know, the deaths or serious injuries could have been probably prevented if the halo wasn't implemented earlier. So definitely I mean, did maybe, it. Definitely did its job on the weekend. The it long and short of it is, I want to know: does anyone even see it anymore? Like I remember by the mm-hmm. time we got to the nah. by the, the season started. I mean, at preseason testing, it was definitely a thing of of controversy. Hmm. But I think, I think now. Like as weird as it sounds, like I don't even notice it anymore. Like it's just it's just part and parcel of the sport. They've done pretty um, well with that graphic as well, so yeah, it makes it like yeah. really cool to watch. And you see all the speeds and the gears yeah. come up. So they've actually they, done it pretty good. The we've only time you notice it is if you watch old races. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, True. exactly. Right. It's kind of like we've got acclimatized to a few uglier things in the Halo. If you think about some of the front wings that F1 cars have had over the last ten years, mm. I think the Halo is yeah. hardly the ugliest thing. But it <laughs> made the me Jaguar, think... the green one that had the big thing coming off the front. 
walrus, the catering. Oh, that was a catering, wasn't it? Yeah. Caterham. We had the um, Dugong catering. We've had the walrus Williams. We've had <laughs> everything. They, the, um, the big nose Aston, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, the unsymmetrical lotus. The lotus. That oh, the lotus. That's lotus. right. That's right. Um, um, but it literally made me think, boys, like if there was a death, like because that if there was no halo, that I, I, I would be pretty confident in saying that there's serious injury associated with that crash. I think but if you death. think about how innoc like how stupid or clumsy the accident was just from mm. someone getting off the line slowly and then kind of getting touched and turning into to Joe. Imagine the feeling of a death from something as clumsy as that. Well, he and actually he, didn't turn into Joe. He turned well, he into he Gasly. Him, Gasly was in the middle and he sort of got mm. pincered into Gasly. Mm. Um, I mean, at first I thought it was a, a, a total Russell fault, but I think, mm. I think it's, it's much more closer to a racing incident, to be honest. Like it was, mm. it was clumsy, but it's, very, it's like very hard to call it when you're both side by side and there's a guy sort of, at your um rear wheel, mm. I, mean, I don't it's, expect. It's, it's, I don't know I mean, where Russell. I'm not an F1 oh, driver. Expected to go. Yeah, I'm not an F1 driver. I, I don't, I'm not saying Gasly had to go anywhere. I'm just saying like when you look at it from even Gasly's perspective, it's mm. a lot harder to call. I mean, I'm just happy that no one's injured. Um, the funny thing was was that Albon and was in an accident that was totally sort of. Um, unrelated. unrelated to it as well. I'm sort of thinking, where the fuck is Albon? Like, he mm. should have got through this. Like, I saw a blue car come through, and then I'm like, he's not coming through. He's not coming through. That was um, Latifi because he qualified in the top ten, mate. Yeah, he <laughs> talking so to, much crap about Latifi, and he and he got us a top ten in in the rain. The crazy thing is, Albon's the one that ended up in hospital, not Joe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just gonna. I was just going to say that impact into the wall, um, into the pit straight wall, it's a lot harder than what a lot of people would probably assume. Like they're, they're probably doing close to 300 by the time they get to that corner. That's just how quick these F1 cars are. Yeah, straight um, concrete. There was no, there was no yeah. barrier on the um, on the pit wall either. And then he did get hit after he sort of came back yeah. into the track twice as well, which would have been... I'd say that's probably side. the main cause of like his pain and, and yeah. why he ended up going to the hospital. Cause like when he has that first initial impact, the belts would soften. Yeah. And so that second point of impact would be like completely ragdoll. unexpected. And and like you say, ragdolls. So mm. lucky they both walked away though, really. Cause it was quite scary. I was very Crazy. scared because I didn't actually show it for a long time. And that's no. usually a sign of, mm. of we think about caution. the two, the two biggest crashes in F1 really over the last couple of years was the Grosjean crash and the mm. this this Joe crash. And for the mm. biggest injury to be burnt to the hands. Mm. Um, and if you look at Grosjean now, uh, there's you know got no issues at all. Like it's a <clears> testament <throat> to the technology in those cars, not just to be fast, but also to be bloody safe, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome to see. And then that's not even where it ends. Because no. the race after that, I mean, obviously we had to wait a bit for the race. I fell asleep mm. um, literally two laps in because the red flag killed me. Um, but what a race today. What a race it was to watch. I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, first see- off, like my boy Perez, like yeah. what an absolute legend, you know. Is last- Perez your boy? Is that, is he that- looked- Here's my boy. I, okay. I don't know why, but ever since he got into F1, I, I don't know. It may be the Mexican thing. I don't know, but. I've just always loved him and I've always wanted him to do well. And now he's finally in a car that's like, all right, let's 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 see what this guy can really do. And he's doing it. 
Can I ask you a question? Because I, I, I'm a kind of a Perez fanboy, not so much now that he's at Red Bull, but when he was at Sauber, definitely mm. when he was at McLaren. Do you remember the first race that you kind of took notice of him? And I want to see if it's the same as mine. It was Malaysia. Uh, I think it was 2014 against, um, Alonso. against Alonso. I I noticed him before. He was doing pretty good. He was sneaking into the top five and that yeah. a couple of times. But yeah. that was really like his come out party yeah. where, you know, everyone kind of took notice of this this guy who yeah. showed it to a two-time world champion, you know, yeah. when um, Alonso was in the Ferrari then. So he definitely had the better car. And yeah, if, it, if it... Yeah, that's unbelievable. And and like after two laps in, I thought he was done. I mean, yeah. he mm. kind of probably got a little bit lucky with the safety car. But mm. boys, to see Ferrari, Mercedes and uh, Red Bull all being able to duke it out and to make passes on each other and to go through corners side by side multiple times. I mean, the pass from Leclerc on the outside of Hamilton, I mean... There's even a pass when Hamilton went past Leclerc and Perez. I think it was 10 laps to go. Oh, man, that was I mean, I don't want to jump the gun and get to the end of the race, but the the last 10 laps, I really think, was the best 10 laps of Formula 1 I've ever watched. I agree. I've never seen four cars racing around the track sort of like they're go-karts, you know what I mean? Mm. But the amount of movement and the ability to follow, um, it was like every F1 fan's wet dream. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, actually, I was going to say it reminded me of a go-kart race. Yeah. Like, you're, like you, these, guys so are doing 300, these guys are doing 340K an hour at this track. And, like, some of the corners, they're cornering at 280, 300Ks. And they're doing that side-by-side side for, I'd say, majority of the race. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Like, these guys are just insane. You know what's surprising to see? Get in your and shifter, it, Tristan, and go behind them. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He I can't last have, more than five laps in that pro- thing. He probably would have stayed behind them because they were cutting. Like, if you saw how quickly Lando and um and mm. Fernando came to the back of that pack as well. Mm. But I How mean quickly we, Carlos checked out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um but we would we've talked we've spoken a lot in the last couple of podcasts about you know changes that could enhance Formula One and we spoke about kind of bring going back to tracks where there isn't runoff and that kind of stuff. But the amount of times we saw people outbreak each other or outbreak the car to make a move but then obviously have to break harder because there was mm. a, a grass um, corner mm. and he kind of couldn't go over the grass and just get onto some um, some concrete on the other side essentially I mean we saw some really good racing because there was outbreaking and then switchbacks and all that kind of stuff mm. whereas if you were on a track that you know wasn't Silverstone let's say it was Russia for example or a track where you've got acres of, of, of tarmac beside you um, then you don't have that same fear to go over uh, you know onto the extremities of the track and, and, and across the white line so I think it you know going back to a more traditional circuit one that traditionally generates awesome racing anyway but you know giving some physical limitations to the track was was really awesome to see and mm. it was you know it kind of was the the coming out really for this new generation and era or formula that that we're seeing now because if that's the racing that can be generated when the track is good and the cars are close then it's a winner it just yeah. has to continue we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that what's the point of the virtual safety car and it doesn't do anything to the spectacle. Mm. And then we saw the, the actual safety car bunch up the pack yesterday and I think that helped with the last 10 laps. I think we need to get rid of that virtual safety car because with, without that, I think we would get more of this kind of close racing. I think 
where these incidents happen. the virtual safety car would be, I don't know, probably beneficial is a race like what I did in the six hour where you've got mm-hmm. 70 cars mm-hmm. and by the time it takes the safety car to go around and then clean that track up, you've lost five, sometimes six, seven laps. And it's yep. like, it's just ridiculous. So in a race like F1, I don't really see the point in it when you've got 20 cars on the grid and, you know, let's say eight of them are lapped anyway. Yeah. You, you well, might as well cool. bunch them up or let them go and then let the front runners race on without clear, tra- you know, with, with clear traffic. So the other thing, the other thing that, you, that you mentioned, which is a good point, is that Formula One is very much sort of like a fast food when it comes to motorsport. Like it's, mm. it has, it, it's, a, it's relatively quick in terms of a race, mm. but it has to be full of highlight packages. Whereas exactly. an endurance race is totally different because you're sort of racing against the clock as sort of your friend trying to milk it down. Yeah. Um, well, it came into the, 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 Full course yellow, uh, sorry, the virtual safety car came into existence at Le Mans. Mm. You know, that, that's, yeah. you know, with, and, with and it works there. And it works because you've got a massive track. You've got, you know, 60, 70 cars that you need to bunch up. It might yeah. take five or 10 minutes to bunch up. And then it takes a long time for marshals to get out on the track and to, to do the job. Mm. Um, so to, to just shut down that particular sector of the track to, to fix it more quickly works there, uh, particularly mm. when you've got a 24-hour race. But in something like Formula One, yeah. where realistically once the field does spread out you don't have as many incidents you don't have as you know it's not really as engaging at all you know they should really be it's almost like in nascar they they do the opposite any chance they get to throw the caution <laughs> yeah they even have they have cautions now that aren't that just like at the end of each sector it's a caution um but just to to bunch the field back up particularly in formula one is is i mean again it's testament to what we saw today because the last 10 laps were phenomenal I think as well what we saw going back to what you said Anth, was that like when we um when we when you come to a track and you, and you think about a lot of the tracks that we've had previously and I don't want to harp on about Miami and Baku as much as we have and Saudi Arabia because we've done a lot of that but when you look at the kind of track that Silverstone is a track with a lot of flowy corners a lot of fast corners a track also that where tire like tire life actually matters because you're in so much sort of mid corner sort of you need a lot of so much mid corner sort of lean on the tires mm. when you've got a when you've got bad tires like you saw it with Leclerc it really spices it up number one but also it throws a bit of strategy in there so if I think what we saw especially yesterday was okay F1 like now the ball's in your court we've seen the best race this year by far mm. like yeah okay we understand we have to go to Baku we have to go to Saudi Arabia but we've got like tracks like Spa coming up now, sort of very similar track. If we get the same, you know, spectacle there and at the same time people are going, is this track going to be on the calendar next year? That's a really bad look for the sport. Like, you know, like it's, and you can imagine that we'll get, we'll get a similar spectacle there. If, if that comes up and we have the same questions lingering, it's going to be a really bad look. Mm. I had an interesting conversation on Saturday. Um, Someone who's new to Formula One got into Formula One purely from Netflix, which is pretty common occurrence these days. Um, and she's from England. And I, we're kind of talking about Silverstone. Her dad had been to Silverstone, you know, multiple times. Um, and her biggest attraction to going to Silverstone was the whole fact of having to travel there, having to camp there. And she kind of um, was interested in having like that festival-like atmosphere of spending a weekend away at the track now we've spoken about formula one taking the track to the people you know city centers you know tracks you know on harbour sides etc very much like what 
Formula E's model is. Um, but I think, you know, the point could be made, like places like Spa, places like um, Silverstone, places like Nürburgring, where kind of there has to be some level, like some, I don't know, not a retreat, but it's like some mass movement of people to get to the track and to stay mm. there for the weekend. There's something intangible about it that actually would and does engage fans as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I think trying to move away from these traditional venues that while they're harder to get to, uh, I mean, number one, the racing at these tracks is is phenomenal and it's been tried and tested for years on end. And that's why the tracks remain relevant because, you know, it's great passing, it's great racing, et cetera. But I, I think F1 really needs to consider, you know, number one, they want fans there. But number two, fans will move there if the spectacle is is, is, is good. Well, my question um, is, well, can you get 150,000 fans like they could yesterday I got 400,000 men over the weekend, but yeah. 150,000 people in, in stadium, like in mm. ground yesterday. Can you get that on us on a, well, they, they the used to get, anyway. they used to get like 200,000 or something. The Gold Coast 600 just here for supercars. And yeah. yeah. Um, obviously we had, they used to have the Indy there. So that helped, but you know, the only real track in Australia that's capable of doing something like that. Oh, at park, unfortunately, or Bathurst. Or yeah. Bathurst. Yeah. But, Bathurst um, is a pilgrimage. If if it like if it were up to me, Nurburgring has to be on there. Nurburgring has to be on the calendar. Um, Spa should be on it. I almost reckon Lamar should be on it too, because these are the some of the most pinnacle racetracks in the world that everyone's grown grown up hearing about. And then you hear about them going to tracks, you know, that supply no racing, you know, yeah. there's no real excitement about going there. Yeah. And it's just like, why are we got? Why are they spending all this money, time, resources going to these tracks that no one really cares about? When... Thing as well as most of these tracks are in places that are only famous because of the race. Yeah, like Le Mans yeah. is only famous because of a race. Exactly. Bathurst is in the middle of <laughs> it's in the nowhere. nowhere. Really. <laughs> it's nothing. Like two hundred thousand people go there every every yeah. year for the one thousand. It's you know at minimum two and a half hours from from some civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that that excuse doesn't really hold water when you think about, um, you know, the amount of people that are happy to sort of move heaven and earth to get to the races that they yeah, want to get to. Sure. I mean, the other thing as well that the, that you think about it, of course, you're going to have to take races to people when you're taking three races to some countries now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the whole idea of like sort of one GP in every country sort of loses its, loses its um, luster, I suppose, because <clears throat> you've got three of them to choose from. Mm. So then you have to take it to to city centers. Mm. I'm all for the Las Vegas race, by the way, but yeah, the Miami race, I don't know about, I don't know about the Las Vegas track looks simple. And like, I don't know, you don't want to say more conducive for passing. Yeah. Because you want like, I don't know, for overtaking, like we've said it before, but for overtaking to take place, you need to have fast straights, you know, sections where you can go flat out and then you've got to break heavily. Yeah, of course. And a lot of the new tracks now, they're curvy, you know, if you look at Saudi Arabia, it's literally curve, curve, curve yeah. all the way to a hairpin. Yeah. Curve, curve, curve all the way back to another hairpin. It's the same as um, Baku. Yeah, it's not a real hairpin. It's, it's just, just like, and it's, it's basically just, it's a, the guys who have the fastest car win at that yeah. race. And it's, um, it's boring. But also, yeah. if you look at the spectacle of like the F1 car now going through maggots and beckets, mm-hmm. that is something that is so much more like visually appealing and mm-hmm. sort of all like um, you get a lot more respect for the drivers and just going. 350 k's down the air, the you know the runway strip at Baku, you know, like it's. Yeah. Um, what about the tank slapper that Carlos had going through the during those? I mean, that looked pretty looked nasty. Um, pretty that would have woken me up. 
yeah, never would have like, happened. Oh, geez. Never would have happened two, three years ago for no. the, the old generation of car. But even something like that, he's in the lead. It looks the, the car obviously got away from him and he, he collected it pretty well. But even something like that, you can it just shows that those sections of the track that we kind of took for granted in, in the past, you know, they're pretty sketchy now. And that's and that's good to see. Uh, and also he got he got off the track onto the grass, then back onto the, mm. the tarmac that was, you know, five meters off or so significant disadvantage mm. you know and and i mean that's awesome to see kind of coming back to the race though boys a few talking points that we probably should make mention of lewis hamilton mm. look great back wow sadie's look great i think he's got a lot of confidence from the weekend well mm. the last two weekends actually he was uh he got on a podium at was it canada and then he was close to a podium at he got fourth, fourth I didn't he fourth yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I thought i thought it was fourth yeah fourth at canada and then Backs it up with a podium this weekend. It's like yeah. the guy's definitely still got it. So anyone that's saying that he doesn't, they need to wake up and watch the last eight Anthony. years of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying it, but I was watching like the car's still obviously. Must have heard Anthony level. and Nelson PK this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now um, I know where he gets it from. <laughs> I um he obviously the car's still not at the level of the Ferrari or the Red Bull, but for him to Getting stay closer. in the fight, but even just like to to make it a fight. I mean, obviously, I don't know. Some respect has to be given for how committed, how you know, how scrappy he was in that race. Because, I mean, there's obviously some level of, you know, over pushing the car or overachieving with the with the package that he had to um to keep it keep it there. And obviously, he had a little bit of tire advantage at the end mm. as well that assisted him. But regardless of that, I mean, we saw was the that same also thing the upgrades there that we saw. Yeah, they had a few. So they brought a massive upgrade package this yeah, weekend, isn't? and they looked more competitive the whole weekend. Yeah. Like a lot of teams actually looked more competitive. Like the Alpines looked better. Um, I don't know if McLaren brought anything, but they definitely looked better this weekend. Um, McLaren, uh, yeah, yeah. So well, you know, like, is it is it also the fact that everyone was waiting for, to bring a massive sort of package, and you know, if, most teams are very local to Silverstone as it is. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like um. A lot of the teams that, really looked good. One thing that I did notice was that, like, Mercedes were closer to the front. McLaren were closer to Mercedes. But even Alonso with the up, and talk about someone who's overachieving with the car and pushing every, like, iota out of that product. I mean, that last guy's 41. Laps. He's still got it, eh? That He's last still... 10 laps, I thought he'd, he'd start overtaking or start getting real close to that group of three. I didn't think Lando would quite get in there, and you could see towards the end he was starting to drop off. Mm. But Fe- Alonso was right there the whole way. Like the guy's a gun, mate. The he's like the he's a forty-one year old that we he's need. A generational talent, like honestly. Well, There's two generations now. Exactly. He's, he's probably probably a, a bit of um probably one of the worst things of the weekend. What is going on with Ferrari and their strategy calls? Why? Yeah. Is, well, they could have easily they... had a one-two this weekend. I yeah, think. Like, why, but... why would they leave? Um, yeah. Charles out. He was he was he had track position as well. Mm. I mean, it was bizarre because even Lewis came over the radio and he said like, "Are you sure we're not right tires?" And yeah. for anyone that's ever watched the sport, they know how much of a tire advantage you get from getting a brand new like, pair of soft tires. Ten laps is a long is a long time around Silverstone, especially particularly if that at much Silverstone. sort of corner time. Yeah, yeah particularly. But at they got it right in one way. You know, Carlos got his maiden win, which was so cool to see him up on the top step. Mm. And um, I know how hard he's worked to get that. He's been through a few teams, and he's finally. Finally got that win, which was awesome. 
I ask well, you guys what you think. Leclerc had obviously front wing damage, but his pace throughout most of the race was on Carlos's, if mm. not a little bit better. Yeah. If they made that strategy call, does Carlos get the win? Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. If, if, I don't know. If, they, well, if if conventional wisdom sort of reigned, he would. They would have. They would have double stacked. Yeah. Like it's it's a two and a half second lap. You can easily. You can relatively easily. Sort and they of, they wouldn't have lost much time on the safety nah, car. They, they would have so. just said, "You peel back two and a half seconds, hold yeah. up everyone, and then one two, mm. and then you be back in 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 accordion order again." Yeah, it's very hard. Got to taught him how to do that easily. And at the worst comes the worst. Even if even if they did double stack and Hamilton got either Leclerc or Sainz, yeah. you know, it's like they've got the car speed to be able to get past yeah. them. Like, yeah. it shouldn't have been an issue, but I don't know. I honestly think they panicked and they went like, well, let's just maintain our position. Therefore, yeah. he has to get past us. I think but- it comes back to, we've we been mentioning it for the last couple of pods as well, that Ferrari is still in a position where they're not match fit at mm. the front of the field. Like, they're able to react to in the past been able to react to teams in front of them and what they do, but they still are getting kind of finding their feet in relation to being the instigator of the strategy and everybody else following them. And they're making some mistakes. It'll yeah, probably take are. them the whole year to figure it out. Um, and I think that's just purely based on match fitness or, you know, the lack of experience in recent history um, being at the front of the field, but it's going to, it could bite them in the ass because they could have had, a much bigger points haul for the um, for the constructors championship yeah. than they did, particularly when Verstappen um, had such an ordinary race. That's why Leclerc was so annoyed Beaved. because he could have made ground on Verstappen. Yeah, yeah but I'm not too worried about how Leclerc feels. I'm really happy for Carlos to be honest with you. Yeah, me I, too. He deserves a win. He qualified well. Um, he drove he, well. He did. He's been unlucky to start the year. Yeah, Some I know he's not the was... fastest driver out there, but man, he works hard to get that win. And I know that, how much that would have meant to him. So it's pretty it's cool. A very, ball, very ballsy overtake as well to sort yeah. of get ahead of Charles because, yeah, Charles ran a bit wide, but to get that close to your teammate, I mean, we saw what happened with the Alpha Tori, Hillbillies, a couple of laps before. So, you know, like it can end, it can end in disaster. Did, you, did any of you watch the IndyCar? Did you see yeah, that, the, uh, how Andretti many boys. the Andretti boys Andretti had this boys. weekend? Grosjean was involved in a couple. Grosjean and Rossi. Rossi yeah. did Grosjean, then Grosjean thought, you know what? I'm going to do her the same way. I got Grosjean Rossi. Grosjean things. I love it. Jeez. I didn't actually see the IndyCar, but I'm pretty sure I saw that Scott McLaughlin. Did he get a win? Mate, yeah. got a dub. He got a win. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. dub. And um, Hunter in the um, Indy Lights got a win as well. So That's right. And, and Lockie Hughes in S2000. Lockie Hughes? In yep. the, is that the S2000 or the, um, yeah, the American S2000. version of the F4 or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's a, mate, I know Lockie pretty well. He's a legend. I'm so happy for him. He and Hunter I used to race with, and uh, yeah. they're just such good kids. Eh? Aussie dominance in America this weekend. Yeah, and, awesome. and in the F2, we Jack Doohan got his maiden yeah. win. You know? Going up. Good, good weekend in general for us Aussies I think and I, I uh, think Kiwis. I think it's time for one of them to replace DR. Let's move there. I was going oh. to say, how long, how long to either Anthony calls for DR's, DR's extinction or how long oh, to dude. Anthony turns on um, these young Aussie guys when they don't perform to his I just feel so bad for Daniel Ricciardo, but... How I are mean, you feeling about him, Tristan? Like, you're a, new, oh. you're a new voice to this conversation. I want to hear your honest... Man, I absolutely love Daniel Ricciardo. I think yeah. he is an absolute legend. I think he's one of the most talented guys in the grid, but... <laughs> right now his smile isn't cutting it anymore yeah i don't know he's just not not 
performing. And I know that car must be a dog to drive. Um, not for but, Lando, though. Well, I mean, he's still not. Don't you know, jump on the bandwagon he's still too. not lighting it up like they were last not, year. Just, you know, you had yeah. you had Lando Norris contesting for podiums just about every race last year, mm. whereas now he's can't even get in a slipstream. Um, what happened? You know what happened this week, Harry? That that has has hurt me the most about my DR defending. He couldn't get past Latifi there. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, look! Last in all honesty, about- in all honesty, I'd love to see Oscar Piastri get an F1 seat. Whether it yeah. takes over DR, I don't know, but um, I think you'll be going to Williams. Um, mm, the uh, qualifying, I watched qualifying. Like I'm, it's it's so weird. Like I no, come on the pod. Was, qualifying was different. Nah, just, listen, just, listen, qualifying. just listen. Just listen. Just <laughs> listen. I come on the can't. pod. I come on the pod and I and I berate the guy. Probably because I had such high expectations for him when he came to McLaren. I would mm. berate him and then I go to qualifying and I'm like, come on, dude, just give me something to like hold go my on hat to. on just to hold on to exactly. Cause I'm like, I want you to do well. You know, but listen, no, he's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot. Wasn't <laughs> a whole lot. Anyway. So then in qualifying it's wet. I'm like, this will be de- perfect for him. Um, struggles really to get out of Q3 cause it was since 17th until his last run got him into 14. Mm. And then we can talk about how they didn't give him a banker lap or, you know, whatever it might be like that. But come on, man. Like, for Lando to finish sixth and for him to finish 14th um, and to be 2.1 seconds out of the cutoff zone of the top 10, that's Mm. hard to swallow. And it's hard to defend. Objectively, it is is a a hard... But you know what I don't understand? You should... You should understand Daniel Ricciardo's plight more than Why? anyone because he's finishing whereabouts you finish your go-kart race at the moment. <laughs> I don't get paid $20 million to That's do true. it though. And I don't claim to be like the greatest. Uh, and, and this like weekend, he's, a, he's, a, he's supposed to be a killer. Yeah. Mm. The thing about like Daniel is, um, you know, it's I get how it must feel for him. He comes into this team. Everyone's got such high expectations for him. They think that he's probably going to be their next world champion. But you've also got to think there's this young kid called Lando Norris in there that is obviously just, you know, obsessed with Zach Brown and Zach Brown's obsessed with him. And Zach Brown thinks that this kid's the future of McLaren. And so they built the car around Lando for the last three years. And Daniel Ricciardo has to jump into that car, you know, Mm. and he's gone from a championship winning car in Red Bull to a pretty much a shit box in the Renault. And then, so, you know, his, his expectation is up here because that's what he was used to at Red Bull, whereas Lando Norris didn't have any expectations coming into F1. He drove that McLaren, which was a dog at the start. And now he's driving a half-decent car that's, you know, capable of finishing sixth, fifth, fourth, wherever. And it's like Daniel's used to being in a race-winning car. Same thing that's happening to Hamilton. Do you, you think... Um, and Vettel. Well, yeah, and Vettel, yeah, of course. See, but- yeah, but do you think, okay, here's another question then about the DR scenario. So obviously we know, I mean, it's become more obvious over the last couple of years that DR has interests and passion projects outside of racing now. It's almost like when people come into F1, it's like laser focused, obviously, because they're trying to make something of themselves and then they get established and they can start thinking about other things. Mm. Now, Obviously, we know he likes his music. We've seen his YouTube channels and, you know, he rides dirt bikes. He goes and hangs out with Jack Miller, all this kind of stuff. And there was talk. What a mad lad Jack Miller is. Yeah, he's pretty cool, actually. Don't get him started on that. His YouTube videos are making me like him more. Like the YouTube videos of him just being a larrikin. 
But can then, I say? Can I say when, when he falls you say off the like, bike? I'm nah, like, yeah, don't don't get don't get into your Aussie <laughs> hate, man. But you listen, would think that we were like let me finish a Brazilian my podcast or something. The amount of hate that we're giving our Aussies. Let, no, let me finish my question. Let, let me <laughs> let me finish my question. Um, there was talk this week about him having a new reality TV show. I think it was on Hulu, maybe Netflix, but they were going to follow him around for a year, and you know broadcast it, record it, etc. If I'm Daniel Ricardo and I'm struggling, I don't know if I say yes to that. And if I do say yes to it, is it almost like I'm on my way out anyway? This is something that I can do to, I don't know, prolong my relevance or uh, longevity as, you know, to make some kind of money. Um, I don't know. You reckon it was a smart move on well, his I part? He, I think in his head, this isn't going to last. I think he... In he in himself knows he's going to turn it around eventually. Whether it's at McLaren or somewhere else, I don't know. But yeah, Do you really me. think it's going to turn around? But honestly, if Daniel Ricciardo had a car underneath him that number one could do what he wants a car to do the most, which is take lunges, because he loves a car mm. that's stable under lunges. Mm. Like the fact that we haven't seen a DR lunge for years, mm. sort of is testament to the fact that the cars he's driven since then obviously don't suit. The, the attacking style that he has. Yeah. Um, whether you want to agree or like not agree, but you want to argue the point that as an, as a driver, you need to be adaptive and sort of get the most out of what's underneath you. I, mm. That's a, that's a fair enough point. Well, but the fact that we haven't seen those moves sort of, and we saw how many of them, like every race would see one or two for, for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in itself could be one of the one of the problems. I mean, the other thing is that yeah, he's probably he's he's getting a bit older, and I mean, more often than not, you get you do get to an age where, um, not that I'm not saying you're not as sharp, but the the younger fellas always seem to, mm. especially now, they sort of seem to just be a little bit more daring, a little bit more ballsy, and I don't know, and then they've learned from the guys who have sort of been leading the sport for so long and they just seem to be just a little bit sort of harder to catch. And there's a lot of them at the moment. Um, but the thing is, though, if, if if DR had stayed at Renault, I think, or Alpine, he would have he would be in a different spot than he is now because I think that Alpine in some, in some ways is a car that is, is not temperamental like the McLaren and seems to be able to attack cars a little bit more. And, and it's all sort of ifs and ifs and buts can but... i can i throw another question to you then so we we saw the best of dr obviously in red bull when red bull wasn't the best team but he was able to maximize the most from that car now i'm going to use alonso as an example i think the last 10 years of alonso when he hasn't been in the best team whether it was at ferrari where he managed to somehow get that car to the final race of the season with a sniff for the championship multiple times or whether he was at McLaren where the car was an absolute dog and at places like Baku with 40% of his floor left, he was able to score a points finish um, or even at the, um, at Alpine now. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he's dominating, but he's still much There was a time at McLaren where, when... where Alonso at McLaren still looked shit when the car was, <laughs> An F2 yeah, car. but if you gave him here, but if you, but we always saw glimpses of if there was a chance for him to try something or to have half of the lap of scrapping, you would still see Alonso if that makes sense. Yeah, it's um, that Kimi Raikkonen like um, 
you know, even Volturi Bottas, Lewis Hamilton style of driving where it's just mm. like this old school, just like dogfight almost. Yeah. And um, I really like that about Alonso. I, I see that in Hamilton, you know, and I think that like you're talking about these old guys, Vettel's got it as well. When Vettel gets the chance to show his racing craft against some of these younger kids, he shows them up because, you know, you're talking about some of the best drivers that have ever been in the sport of F1. But especially... Well, I'd say DR's got to be up there, but the guy's never won anything. So, you know, he's never won a championship. He's um, never lead a, led a team to a championship victory. So, you know, it's there's a lot of negatives going against Daniel Ricciardo, which is he's never really won. A, he's never even won a team's championship, which is... No. Which well, is, the Ferrari yeah. won it that year. Oh, no. Who won it? Yeah, Mercedes won it that year. That's yeah. right. I don't know the why. Red was probably <clears> the best <throat> car on the grid when he was... Yeah. Him, so... And well, they had a real good chance of winning it that year, but it's just I think the Red, Red Bull, Bull was never as bad as Red the Bull favored now. Yeah, Red Bull favored Max, and at the time, Daniel was probably their best driver. So it didn't help. He had like six bloody engine blow up. Yeah, I know, season. I know. And then like it all started at bloody Melbourne when he had that. Um, he finished third, and he got that fuel fuel um sample yeah, issue. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah true, yep, true. Yep. Do you know what really happened? His speed, his speed left him when he started painting clouds on his helmet. <laughs> yeah, That's maybe. I don't That's know. what happened. I, uh, if um, I could get away with wacky helmet designs, I would. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, don't oh, start I this reckon. can of worms, Tristan, right, please, right. man. Let's please. What's, what's our next? Oh, what was our next? We had another good talking point for this pod that has eluding me right now. What was it, boys? We the bookmarked F1. it halfway through in the week. Yeah, F1, F1. Oh, oh yeah, Nelson Pico. No, 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 we're not going there. We're not going there. No, oh, midweek, the, the, the Russell. Yeah, the bitching. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The bitching. George Russell. So, yeah, do you want to lead? You can lead with this show. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to be as, I don't want to be as negative as you've been over the last 10 minutes, but <laughs> I, I do think that um, the argument that George Russell presented about a fan booing him on the parade lap was week was was yeah it was very piss poor and um i was thinking if you were a football if you're a football player at any rivalry game you're getting booed by forty thousand fans week uh, at least half the games of of your of your season so let's say that's 19 weekends a year right okay one fan boo, like you, you <laughs> saw one fan booing you on a parade lap don't you want the fans to eat to number one have someone they're following, so have a bit of passion for for another team, even if it's not your team. But you'd rather them have passion in the negative way towards you than sort of all be sort of lukewarm, apathetic. yeah, and apathetic most of the he's... time. You go, you go, Harry. Sorry, I was just gonna say, bring back the old school F one driver. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Where's what James the Hunt? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think like in terms of that booing thing, like back to something like Kobe Bryant would say, you know, if they boo me, I knows that I've gotten to them. Yeah. And uh, like, I grew up playing a lot of sports. So I had people trash talk and whatever. Right. But it was, it just motivates you more to mm. want to prove them wrong. It, it can, it can be sort of like 50, 50 where they go too far. There's a um, line. There's always like a I, line. I've, I've, I know a couple of the drivers who have had um, a lot of issues with social hate in the past where, you know, online, 
people feel like, well, even on in person, sometimes feel like they can say whatever the hell they want to people because mm. they're celebrities or they're famous or they race or they're, you know, an athlete. Mm. And sometimes it crosses a line. Like I know people that have got death threats and et cetera, et cetera. That's Booing's not an issue. If, you, if you're just booing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But well, Austin posts about it a fair bit, doesn't he? What's Mostert, that? Sorry, yeah, Chaz, Chaz yeah, yeah. Well, he's one of the guys I'm talking about. Um, yeah. I know that he had a real tough time, particularly after the 12 hour one year when he was involved in that incident. And um, when he binned the BMW, was that the one? Yeah, okay. and um, look, it, it was it happened to a lot of other drivers as well. You know, people just go a little bit too far when it comes to, I guess, trash talking online. Um, it gets a bit personal. And that's where it crosses the line. It's it's not acceptable. Um, but like I say, you know, I've, I'm all for a bit of sports camaraderie where, you know, you've got your one team and that's it. You yeah. know, like for example, you're a one-eyed Holden fan. Yeah. You know, that's it. You don't see you don't see blue. You see red or vice versa. Um, and I'm all for that. And it's great for the sport and it's great for F1 to have. Oh, I'm Red Bull. You know, I hate I hate Mercedes or I'm Mercedes yeah. and whatever. But it's like I say, it's it's got to come um, with a fine line. You can't cross it. Once there you was cross a, it. There's, there's a really good sort of juxtaposition for this problem. A couple of weeks ago in supercars when um, Dave, was it, what's his name? The guy who makes the calls now, is it? Um, who makes Baird, the calls? Craig Baird. Craig Baird, Baird was, yeah. Craig oh, Baird yeah. was getting some real bad. He got death, death threats. Death threats. I think it was for the Cam Waters incident. Yeah, Cam Waters and Gizzy. And and yeah, and Will was, Davidson. I think. Yeah, Will Davidson. He was getting. He got some some ridiculous like death threats for that call. And I mean, when you say call, what do you mean? Like, is he the, the, the call or something? Or? Yeah. So they penalized. Yeah. They penalized. Um, Cam Davidson. Cam Warren yeah. on 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 for was overtaking off off the track or something like that. I think it was. So like that that is a is a perfect example of when fans have gone too far and there, has, and there has to be a sort of a reigning in and and there has to definitely be sort of like a precedent set and that's a that's a, like a, a good it's a very extreme example but it's a yeah. good example and then that's, this week we have that's the what example, they deal with though that's just yeah, what they deal I, with and that's like what that. like I say behind the scenes a lot of these drivers are just trying to go about their day to day lives. You know, they're entertaining us on the track, but away from it, they're just regular human beings. You reckon, um, you reckon Tim Edwards needs to shut down those burner accounts because it was probably him that was giving. The, the <laughs> I don't know. After the don't know. <laughs> but like, um, even, even yeah. like you have the whole Hamilton, like I'm going to, I'm going to mention it, the whole Hamilton and PK thing this week, mm. that mm. wherever, like, whatever you think of it, and I don't, I don't know enough about it to, to have a, a strong opinion on anything because A, I can't speak Brazilian. Um, and I don't know what he's what he really said because I don't understand it properly. But you can look at it however you want. And yeah. if he's if if there's he shouldn't have said what he said a hundred percent. But this is like a, this is a serious situation in for the sport, right? And then on the same day we've got George Russell saying I got booed by some fans in the crowd. Yeah, I'm like like all right, how you felt like that? But that's that doesn't correlate to what you know, the story of the days at all. Mm. Um, so maybe just take a little bit of, I don't know what the word is, just think about it before you say it because it sounded so bitch. Like it really <laughs> did. It sounded so bitch. And I was like, come on, like we love you, man. We love you. Yeah. Just don't don't fall into these games. I think, I think it's a bit, um, maybe it's a, a cultural thing as well. And like we're talking like we're old men, but we're not even 30 yet. 
<laughs> most of us aren't anyway. But you mean F1 traditionally was like a a, a championship where you, you had to give everything you had to intimidate. So, mm. you know, you had drivers like Schumacher, Hacken, and even people like Coulthard, Villeneuve, where any sign of weakness, you know, they wouldn't show it. Whereas you've got, I think, a generation of drivers now. I mean, Lando, Albon, um, Russell, great drivers, all quick, but they're a little bit more, uh, they're probably a little Fresh. bit more honest. They're definitely Precious. young as well. Yeah, they're younger, but they're a bit more honest. And I don't think they have the same, they probably don't have the same need to try to keep everything that is kind of motivating them or uh, attacking them kind of to themselves. And they just kind of let it out. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I just think we'll take a little bit of getting used to, but I don't think it's going to change with the way that Gen Z is. I'm happy. With, I'm happy with booze. If booze stay, it's fine. Booze are fine. Like if if we stay at booze, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, as long as it doesn't cross the line past that, I'm happy to see people number one have teams that they follow, fans that I can also then hate. A bit of tribalism because it's it's not my team. You know, a bit of tribalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but as long as we keep it there, and and that's all I think that's well and good. Like that's a good yeah. place for us to keep it. All right. Yeah, I agree. Anything else on the F1 front? That caught your eye, tickled your pickle. One thing, while we were bagging out um, Russell, I did also really enjoy seeing his sportsmanship on the weekend. I personally don't really think he deserved that penalty, but I also understand that rules are rules and he did get out of his car, blah, blah, blah. But the main thing I got from that was like just... No, good on him. He he, he ran. He ran. it, It was like literally... He looked like out. he looked like David Hasselhoff running through that sand. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else was really interesting? I mean, during the race, there was they kind of um, interviewed him mid-race, and you could obviously tell he was disappointed. You could obviously mm. tell that, um, like he made it very he made it clear of what what he did and why he did it. But at the same time, when he was questioned about it, like he didn't want to make the um, issue about him. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, I think a lot of drivers this week, I mean, there was a few drivers that had pretty ordinary races, Botas had ordinary race. And the first thing they were mm. all saying was like, you know, regardless of the situation that happened with my race, yeah, you know, everybody has to go come away from this race just being very grateful with, number one, the fact that no drivers were injured. And yeah. number two, that they were walking away healthy for, for the most part. And I think as a collective, Formula One, the drivers... Um, all displayed some some level of, of of you know genuine sportsmanship, hundred um, percent, which was which is awesome to see. I mean, obviously, last year at Silverstone we had the whole you can call it a controversy about um, Verstappen going to hospital and, and and not many people worrying about it. But to see, you know, particularly the gravity of this situation and, mm. and for the drivers to react the way they did, it also normalizes them. It kind of shows that they're human still, and that it affects all of them, hundred percent. Um, that was, you know, really pleasing to see. And I think it sends a good message. I mean, you're talking about booing on all this kind of crap, but when you've got all the drivers kind of saying the same thing and and kind of making the audience realise that at the end of the day, racing is not the most important thing. It's the mm-hmm. safety of the drivers and everyone can go home after their day of fun. Yeah. It was really, really powerful to see. Really yeah, isn't, it a te- isn't it a testament to the sport that it's the oh. fastest it's ever been and also the safest it's ever been? like at the yeah. same time like like that is like in terms of any other sort of sport activity or anything that's the biggest juxtaposition but it's so true mm. um 
And it's the one thing that you, you can sort of rest your head on the yeah, that at the, these F1 teams is putting a lot of money into R&D. But as a sport, like there was a, I think it's, what is his name, Craig Scarborough. He had a good sort of little tech talk um, this weekend. I think it was before actually the crash about the safety in like in sort of inventions that have gone into these F1 cars and the safety of that um, monocot chassis for the driver. Um, and sort of he went through the front, rear and side sort of crush structures on mm. the car. And then to sort of see that and then see a couple hours later something that terrifying and for the driver to be walking through the paddock by the time the the race was still going you know that's a that's a testament to to at least if one thing the FIA is dedicated to the safety of its drivers which it needs to be 100% and and like I've seen I'm probably a little bit sick-minded being a race car driver and looking up on YouTube some of these biggest crashes of all times, but I'm sure we've all done it, you know. But, um, you know, I've seen all the big crashes. There was um, Robert Kibitzes at Canada that was just yeah. sickening and, you know, obviously Senna's and that. And you look at the course of history and it's like some of these crashes that we've witnessed in probably the last five five years, we probably think about the season and think, oh, there hasn't really been that many big crashes. But if you look back on it, like... Verstappen's crash know, last year was really Verstappen's bad. Verstappen's like, was huge. And yeah. and even at um, Monza, where Verstappen ended up on top of Hamilton, like, mm. man, that could have gone so south as well. Um, you had a crash at Monza. I can't remember if it was an Alfa Romeo back then or the Sauber or whatever it was, but that had a huge crash oh, yeah, in the front yeah, straight. That, it was a at, Sauber. Was it a Sauber? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a Sauber, yeah. You obviously had Grosjean's last year and, um, you know, you think Even, back, you think, you think back, of it, um, was we it? had Bianchi back, 10 years ago. Yeah, well, that that's what I was like... going to say. Bianchi in that Marusha, you know, oh, Marusha. Yeah, if, mm. if he had have had that halo, he'd be here. Yeah. And so it's a big testament to the sport, the safety, the advances in technology. And like you say, you know, the race and data side of things is one thing, but the safety is the priority in that sport. And well, do you know what's crazy? Like think thinking back to some of the big crashes. Now you can look back from the nineties, eighties, and you'd see all kinds of huge crashes where people were burnt, people were killed, mm. etc. But if you look more recently, even like early two thousands to Schumacher's crash at Silverstone where he broke his legs. Yeah. Right. Mm. If you look at that crash in juxtaposition to some of the crashes that we've seen today, if they had the technology that we have now, even then mm. in the early two thousands. Um, he Marcus didn't really season. look that bad. It didn't look dramatic. That's what I mean. The point yeah. I'm trying to make is it didn't look dramatic really at all, but it was just, it just goes to show how much stronger the cast have got. Even like yeah. Michael Schumacher is still like the, a pretty recent history for Formula One, but the technology yeah. from then to now has, has dramatically changed so much even on those 15 years even i mean open wheel is one thing obviously you've got like indie cars and that that are adopting mm. the same sort of safety levels and safety cells and that but even for myself just you know in a in a production car a bmw or even the supercars mm. you feel pretty safe strapping in you don't feel like you're really you know throwing a hail mary and you're wishing your life away um yeah. you actually genuinely do feel pretty safe obviously it's at the back of your mind that something could happen something could go wrong because it's motorsport and that's that's mm -hmm. why we love it but um for yeah the most I think part, you for can the most in... part 100 yeah you feel yeah. you feel pretty safe strapping in and even like you guys do go-karting mm -hmm. um i've done go-karting since i was seven i've seen some horrific crashes and i think the worst i've ever seen or the worst injury was like a broken collarbone or something you know so it's just, it goes to show that 
even in grassroots category, they're taking a lot of, um, I guess, pride and effort into their safety mechanisms that keep drivers safe. I had a guy in February who came over the top of me, broke my ribs, but broke his back. Oh. And I w- that was huge. Yeah. Um, and then he was racing again this weekend. When I went yeah, true. Racing. And I'm like, bloody hell, like, number one, kudos to you for strapping back in. But mm. also, I mean, he, he was wearing like one of the, um, what are they Little called? hands device things. Yeah. The motorbike had, ones, you know, the yeah, it was, round it was like ones. A, like, like a neck brace, yeah, that they put underneath mm. the helmet. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much that helped him, but probably did something. But he was back <laughs> racing this week. Um, so that was awesome to see as well. Yeah. Boys, before we finish up, a few things that I did want to talk about. Number one, I wanted to give you at the end, Tristan, a chance to tell us what's happening in, in your motorsport journey. But before we do that, just very quickly uh, on IndyCar, um, racing at Mid-Ohio this morning. Um, great track. H, great track, historic track for IndyCar. Bumpy, multiple surfaces, grass on the outside of every ripple strip, which was awesome to see. Okay. And and once again, we just saw awesome, like an awesome exploit of racing. H, what did you take away from the race? And, and you know, what are your thoughts on, on the event? Scott McLaughlin, mate, he was... It was like he was back at supercars, just led the race pretty much for the whole thing and didn't look like... The only Palou towards the end was kind of catching him, but... Mm. Um, he looked yeah, pretty he cozy up front, to be honest with you. And they even said on the commentary, you know, even when he was in supercars, he was best when he was at front and yeah. he was just leading that race. Will Power, wow. Mate, he, first, he... first lap, he was last and then ends up on the podium, like amazing. He was carving his way through the field like he's... Like he was on push the pass for the whole race. He showed a lot of willpower this weekend, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's ever heard that one. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, first time, first time exclusive. Nah. Australians dominated in IndyCar, like the whole, the whole spectacle this weekend. Like, yeah. Well, think, I hate to break it to you, Scotty McLaughlin's in... a New Zealander. Yeah, yeah. Kiwi. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure same, there's been a lot thing. of Aussies that have tried to claim him though. Yeah. But if you look at, if that happens in Formula One, there's extenuating circumstances that have caused someone going from the back of the grid to, to being on the podium. He yeah. literally passed every car on the way through. Yeah. Like it was, it was amazing. It was, it was I think that's what we always talk about, awesome with the te- like about what the sport is like. It's so raw, but also the cars are so close that you can actually have these moments where your skill as a driver come to the floor, uh, come to the fore. I, let's get Danny Rick in IndyCar next year and remind everyone how good he is. Yeah. Um, but like, um, McLaren. <laughs> Whether they still want him, I don't know. If it were McLaren, I'd send him somewhere else. But you know, as like as a as a sport, like that's what the that's what the the probably what the biggest draw to IndyCar is is that you've got so many mm. good talented drivers in there, and the sort of the only excuse now because there's so many good teams now is like how good are you on any given week? Mm. Um, I mean, and yeah, of course, when you start at the front like Scotty McLaughlin did this week, and it's always a lot easier. But I think, like, even if you look at the, um, the the amount of different race winners we've had this year, and even like who looks good in any given weekend, like it's it's always changing, and that's because there's so many. Like, there's at least I would say there's at least fourteen, pre- like cars in that grid that could definitely win any any weekend. But um, yeah, like when you've got the Andretti boys sabotaging each other's races. I love um, that. I like, love that Grosjean was involved too. It just made me. You, just made you, me you'd so never happy. see that. He, in, 
in another sport. He was a knucklehead. To, he was an absolute knucklehead this weekend. Like, <laughs> I've been, I was so excited. I was so excited for him to come to Andretti because I thought after his rookie season, he, he was pretty good. Mm. But he's done some boneheaded things this year, man. I wish I saw it. Now I have to go watch Mate, it. You need, go watch get, the, mini the mini because because the, the race was like the Andretti drivers themselves. I mean, Grosjean took out <laughs> Andretti, uh, took out Rossi. He then took well, Rossi, out Rossi. Rossi and him was, was was a bit of both. Like ne- neither of them was neither of them mm. wanted to sort of concede. Mm. But the herder the herder one I thought was really dumb. And he was so Rossi far on, back. Did you see Rossi on Di Francesco at mm. the end. Yeah. No. He just took him off the track as well. Like there was just absolute meatheads. But Rossi's, at the same time, Rossi's leaving it, Eddie, mate. What does he care? He's just doing what yeah, he wants I th- to do. I think he's. I think he's um at the point where he's like, "Stuff you! I'm just going to try to get as many points as I can for my championship." But um, all I know is Tristan, get on it, mate. You'll love it. Yeah, I'm awesome. going to actually. That might be what I do after this. Just go and knuckle down and uh, bunker mate, up think, and watch the Indy car. I, f- I, I think, felt sorry I for um. It. I felt sorry for um Pato, to be honest though. Because mm. Pato was looking really good, was was quick. Obviously, got the pole. Mm. Um, even Rosenquist, even Rosenquist yeah. was yeah. looking awesome too. Yeah, McLaren, well, the, the Ferrari of IndyCar. Well, the beautiful thing <laughs> that we've seen over the last three weeks in IndyCar now is the championship kind of was looking like it was getting a little bit spread. Yeah. And the last three races, we've seen McLaughlin win. We've seen uh, the Andretti guys have two good races in a row. And while Ericsson has had strong finishes since the Indy 500. He hasn't been dominant. Mm, so the yeah. champion, the, the battle at the front of the championship is actually squeezed up again. And you've got someone like Polo who had a number of DNFs to start the year and everyone was saying, you know, he's kind of out of the running to back up his championship from last year. All of a sudden, he's only 39 points off the lead. And I'm thinking if you were to look at the championship standings, I couldn't tell off the top of my head. It you'd, probably, you'd probably find the top 10 within, I want to say 120. 100 points and the last race is a, is a double points race which yeah. always closes it up even more so yeah it's 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 turning out to be an awesome season once again and it comes back to the ingredients for great racing old tracks well not old tracks but tracks that are a little bit challenging around tracks. the edges challenging cars equal performance from from all the cars etc um will, will Chris, power just quickly will power yeah. 20 points behind ericsson at the moment yeah, and he's had two shockers. Well, not he didn't have a shocker this week, but he wasn't. He's coming from. Yeah. Anyway, I've got so something what's to the... touch on actually for this week. Yeah. Quickly, yeah. Aaron Seaton. Oh in, yeah. Um, Bathurst this, in Bathurst one thousand. You know, we we've been saying we'd love to see some guys from these other cha- you know sort of championships get a go. We we're talking about Joey Mawson last week yeah. after like after winning the um S five thousand, but sort of seeing Seaton there with um and you know we he. MSR. Did, he he does have MSR. the relationship with MSR through Super Two, but you know how good is that? Like I was, yeah. that actually brought Aaron. Aaron's a good mate of mine. He's a um, he's probably the single most hardworking guy off the grid to do anything motorsport wise. Like he just lives and breathes it. Um, he's got a gym set up in his house, which is actually like most people's bar. Really? <laughs> Seriously, and um, like I say, he just wakes up, thinks about how he can be successful in motorsport and um like i say there's probably not too many people that are more deserving of a supercar seat or even a supercar's co-drive at um, bathurst than him you know and uh i i seriously think he'll he'll show everyone what he's made of this year i hope he does because he's a really talented driver too 
to think that only a year ago he left TA2 halfway mm. through the season to pursue Super that move into Super 2s. Now, his Super mm. 2 journey hasn't been, uh, you know, straight up. There's obviously been learning along the way, but yeah. you can see there are obvious races where his talent has shone through. Um, but, but also, yeah, to see his the progression from TA2 through to a Supercars, you know, um, enduro gig we in such a short time number one it's awesome because it shows that some of those smaller categories in australian motorship motorsport do um, number one develop drivers really well they do provide a stepping stone to get into the main game mm. um, but also like you're saying like we i don't understand at your level how hard he's working um, but just from a practicality point of view and a financial point of view the move from ta2 to super 2 isn't easy uh, no. We've spoken to some people about that as well. So for that to take place, there's got to be some level of, of uh, you know, elbow grease that's being used. So it's just really great to see. And it's awesome, to have, it's awesome to have the name back in Super 100%. We've also got a couple of other um, young kids coming through um, that are starting to do some really cool things in Australian motorsport. You know, like we touched on this last time we spoke, we've got Nash Morris, who's mm. racing just about everything. I think he raced HQs last weekend. I'm pretty sure he won. You know, he's raced XLs, he's raced uh, TA2. I think he's still racing TA2. He's racing Super 2, you know, he's the X um, Super 3 champion. Like, he's got a big future in the sport. We've also got Jet Johnson, who's competing in the National Trans Am and the, um, the state in the state um, rounds as well. And he had his first supercast test drive the other weekend. I'm not sure if you that. guys I saw, saw with the Johnsons. The three Johnsons. Um, you know, you got some really cool names that are starting to come in the sport. And it's like, you know, um, it's really cool to have been a part of their journey because, um, like I said, I know Aaron quite well. I grew up racing against him in carts. Obviously, my dad used to race supercars against his old man, um, same as Steve Johnson and, and Paul Morris. And, you know, it's just really cool to see all these names back in a sport where they all belong, you know. It's awesome. And, you know, the interesting thing is like, they're huge names, and you'd understand this too. They're huge names historically in Australian motorsport, but not one of them has had like an easy path to no. to get to where like to get to where they want to go. 100%. I mean, even for someone like Nash, like I mean, obviously um, Paul Morris, I don't know him at all, but I always hear him say, and he used to say it with Brock Feeney a lot: put him in any car, any weekend, just to get their miles up. Doesn't matter 100%. if it's an XL, doesn't matter if it's you know. Um, Trans Am doesn't matter what it is, but just get them racing. And you're seeing a lot of these young drivers, you know, racing a diverse um, spectrum of cars just to just to keep developing themselves. And I think yeah. we're, we're kind this, of seeing that now. The whole like Norwell um, camp, you know, Paul Morris is, I, I guess, proteges. That all started with Anton Di Pasquale back in the day. But um, it sort of changed the game and lifted the level of Australian motorsport, uh, especially mm. grassroots. It's... Um, the driver training that you get from going to a place or a facility like Norwell, it it brings young drivers up to speed, maybe drivers that haven't really experienced much, let's say, karting or open wheeler or whatever it might be, entry route into um, motorsport. But their driver coaching facilities, and I used to do it, um, bring you up to speed real quick. And like you say, you got guys like Nash Morris, Brock Feeney, you know, Anton Di Pasquale, uh, Brody Kostecki, I could go on and on. Will Brown, these guys are in lawnmowers racing around because they can. You know? And it's yeah. like 
that any chance they get, Shane Van Gisbergen is probably the best example. You know, he had a rally win on the weekend. Like the guy can just jump in at anything yeah. and win. Well, and that's just, that's the progression that I guess a driving school like Norwell, you know, does. And I think Paul's very, very much the head of the helm for that. And he he should take a lot of the credit for mm-hmm. some of these guys' success in their career. Well, we see how quickly, like obviously Brock is really young. He's already in the main game. And probably the biggest thing, or the biggest question going into it was, was he going to be able to cut the mustard mentally uh, in that particular championship? And I mean, obviously he's young and everything, but he's well prepared. Like he, it's been a rookie season in every sense of the word, but he's had some really good performances. He's had some growing pains, but just from a mentality point of view, from a, you know, getting his elbows out point of view, he's more than capable and more more than ready to move into them. I think we actually saw it last year at Bathurst. 100%. Bathurst he, got, he got seventh at Bathurst last year. Yeah. Um, with, well, he um, crashed out at the end. But, that's um, right. But up till the end, like he was in the top 10 for the majority mm. of the of the second half of the race. And he was, you know, uh, you know a I, boy amongst men. Only everyone thought that he wouldn't be able to swim. But um, I'll tell you what, he's certainly cutting it with his, you know, he's cutting it with some of these big names in the sport. And he's certainly not afraid to get his elbows out. And um, mm. I, I seriously think he's going to, he's in for a really good and long career and uh, he'll become a household name like Shane Van Gisbergen, you know, Craig Lowndes, Will Davidson, all these guys that have gone on to do great things in our sport and Brock Feeney will be right up there with all of them. He's probably young enough to move on as well. Considering his teammate, he's done quite well. 100%. Yeah. 100%. What about you, Tristan? What's your racing? At the moment, we're, um, like at the moment. we're on a bit of a hiatus since Bathurst. Uh, we had a couple of things happen behind the scenes um yeah. as a result yeah. but um at, we're just sort of doing our thing at the moment you know i'm, I'm working full-time so i'm sort of pretty busy with that anyway but yeah. we're also looking forward to the 2023 season not too sure what might happen so it's pretty exciting kind yeah. of like entering the unknown for yeah. once it's kind of exciting having a bit of time off as well from the sport which is good but i've been back karting i love i love racing i can't i can't sit on the couch you know so i've been back you know getting thrashed around in the kz and trying to hang on for more than five laps but <laughs> honestly it's a challenge <laughs> it's, it's so hard but hey, watching i just, just love it watching how violent those things are man like yeah i don't know what i was thinking honestly you've got to have, you've got to have balls but you've got to have some some meat to you as well because yeah. again yeah after five laps you'd you look like a rag doll. You just see, you can see their heads, like you just see their heads by the end of the race. It's like, bloody hell. Um, that's awesome to hear, man. Well, if you ever want to watch a comedy, come out to um, Ipswich Kart Club one weekend when I'm racing and yeah, just try and, and see me try and hang <laughs> on for get more a, than five you, laps. I don't know if they'll let you put a, I don't think you can put a bloody GoPro on your helmet in go-karting, but I could, I, I could probably try and just, um, you know, I'll send you guys the I'd love footage to see of me just going yeah. like, going through trying to hang on and trying to pluck gears you just at the need, same time you just need to come down to sydney for for a weekend wrestle race with Anth and just you know if just you're talking about eastern just... creek i don't think i'll ever go there again last time i raced there i cracked two ribs <laughs> you mentally scarred. You won't I'm, have, I'm more than mentally scarred you won't have to go that fast to beat Anth, mate it's fine you just need to come oh. get some you know just just boost up your ego a little bit mate well i have said that because we're not doing a lot of car racing i'd like to get fit enough to be able to you know a make more than like the 10 laps in the final yeah. switch and then start to get cart fit for mm. maybe something like um pro tour or i don't know i'd have to lose a lot of weight to consider doing pro gearbox but i would love to get back into it it'd just be so much fun 
Yeah. Even like you guys say, you know, come come to Eastern Creek or something for a weekend, and I'll have to meet you halfway. Port Macquarie, maybe. Port Macquarie, done. Or Coffs Harbour. <laughs> Coffs like Harbour, that. that's a great track. I've got to get a gearbox engine there now. Um, oh god, <laughs> I'll let you have mine. How's that? No spanner. <laughs> <laughs> you might drive it better. He's got to forget out his baby as well coming soon. That's the other uh, thing. <laughs> oh well, when do we get him in a cart and um, get him oh, over the too, worlds? Not too long, mate. Not too long. Um, that was probably the coolest thing going over to um, Spain watching dad race at the world championships was seeing all those little like six, seven year old kids racing around the world championships. It was like the yeah. coolest thing ever. I'm like, one day I'm going to have a kid and he's going to be, he's going to be in the world championships. <laughs> yeah, just so I get a holiday. Boys, what an awesome pod tonight, Tristan. Thanks so much for jumping on. You're more than welcome to, jump on whenever you want maybe you might fall in love with indycar and become the racing line indycar correspondent Um, we're always happy on happy to have correspondents on but um thanks so much for your time buddy it's been Uh, awesome thanks so much for having me honestly uh anytime i get the chance to talk about motorsport you know it's a great day so i love it i love sharing my journey my experience and my knowledge about the sport and i'm just a motoring enthusiast just like you guys it's awesome people we love harry joe Thanks, Legends mate. As always. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Thank you, boys. Have a good Thanks, night. Thanks, you too. Thanks, Have mate. Have a great night. And please like and subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. Any content that gets thrown out on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, any likes and subscriptions would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Cheers.